0: Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Specialty Lens Success Podcast. I am Ted Newell, your host. This podcast is meant to share the inspiring stories of how successful Specialty Lens practitioners built their practices with an emphasis on marketing operations and technology. In 2016, he took his first scleral lens patient from surviving in a combination contact lens to thriving in scleral lenses. This was the beginning of Dr. Stephen Keith's growing specialty lens practice. Dr. Keith founded Town Lake Eye Associates 25 years ago. Since then, he has added two associates, Dr. Christopher Luft and Dr. Sarah Amir. Town Lake Eye Associates is located in Woodstock, Georgia, which is about 30 miles north of Atlanta, Georgia. In this episode, Dr. Keith shares how he nurtured his specialty lens practice through being mentored and by enhancing word of mouth and investing in his staff and technology. This podcast is produced by the fine folks at Eagle Eye. If you think this podcast has value and you want to share it with a colleague, simply use the share link on your podcast player of choice. Are you going to the ICSC in Florida? If you go, we will see you there. Or, if you are attending the Vision by Design meeting in September, we can meet you there too. The show notes will have links to Dr. Keith's beautiful website and to Eaglet Eye. Now, let's get together with Dr. Keith to learn about his thriving practice. Dr. Stephen Keith, welcome to the Specialty Lens Success Podcast. It's terrific to have you here. Well, I'm
1: honored to be asked, so I'm happy to be here.
0: That's great. And we were just talking a second ago about the lovely weather that we're both having. By the time this podcast is published, we'll probably still be having lovely weather. I'm in Cincinnati uh, today, at least, and you're in Atlanta, and uh, it is a beautiful day outside. So um, anyway, great to have you here. Why don't you tell the
1: audience a, a little bit about you and your practice? So yeah, sure. So we are in a suburb of Atlanta, and I um, grew up in Indiana. And great place to grow up. I grew up on the campus of Indiana University. And that was a great experience growing up too. There's so much to do and good college basketball this time of year. We're thinking about college basketball and. Um, so went to both undergrad and graduate school at Indiana, and then would have loved to have stayed, but the advice from our dean was go where they ain't. So there wasn't a big need for that skill in, in Bloomington. They have it covered. So uh, in mid-90s in Atlanta, there was a big need. So uh, moved here, and it's uh, been really good. We, we love Atlanta. We love the South. I. Often joke with patients that I wasn't born in the South, but I got here as quick as I could. <laughs> so it was just me in a, as a, a solo practitioner um, for years, and then fairly recently added a younger associate doctor, and that's been great. So um, really good experience. And so have the second associate doctor now. So uh, with the help of uh, two really talented young doctors, I've been able to devote more time to specialty lens care. And yeah, I've really enjoyed that.
0: Okay, so how did you pick Atlanta? I'm just out of curiosity from Indiana to Atlanta, did you have, did you have some connections
1: down there or? So, did it, yeah, did... there, there is a connection. So my uh, wife and I met in elementary school and then dated through high school and then but then her dad was transferred when she was in college and so he was transferred to Atlanta. Oh. So we knew, okay, well, we wanted to be by family one way or the other, so let's be by your family. So um that that's the rest of the story.
0: Yeah. Okay, excellent. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And it is a beautiful area to live, that the Atlanta area. And you're in a suburb of Atlanta, um, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things that we talked about when we were preparing for this a couple of weeks ago is just to start out with a story because when you started your practice you were not involved in specialty lenses uh, really at all. But so, but let's start with a story that you told me. That's a story about the engineer. So talk about that.
1: Yeah. So yeah, in our uh, setting, yeah, kind of northwest of Atlanta. In general, if somebody needs advanced care, specialty care, then oh, well go into Atlanta um, for that. So this patient was, uh, is keratoconic and I'd done kind of everything I could for him um, with corneal GP lenses. And um, we were having some success, but not enough. And so had him go into Atlanta for specialty lens care. And the um, the results at that time um, were just okay. And so, so when he was functional and he was working, but just, just doing okay. And so that was kind of what prompted me to say, well, you know, what else can I do? And so um, So I'm going to interrupt you there because I remember
0: define a little bit. So you referred him out, but define a little bit more about just doing okay.
1: Yeah. So he came back wearing a tandem uh, lens. So an RGP lens on top of a soft lens and he could wear them successfully, maybe six hours a day. And so um, he would choose the window of time in the day when he really needed to see the best. And so typically that's work. So he would get back home and and just take the lenses out and just kind of power down. After that, that's where I said, well, let me see what I can do with a scleral lens. Really had had good success there. So he was then able to wear them uh, really all waking hours. And so he went from kind of just surviving in lenses to really thriving in a lens and um, started coaching his son's baseball team and started going to the gym after work and uh, all these just really positive, you know, without trying to overstate it, but you know, kind of life changing um, for him. And so that really lit the fire for me to say, okay, well, what else can I learn? How can I do this better? How many other people can I help? Absolutely. And I, I think
0: that's a great story because these especially lenses, uh, the scleral lenses is one classification, but it's a large classification and they they are life-changing. And when you told that story to me, when we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, I just thought, what a great story. And, and you do it, you know, several times a week, you know, you're working with these patients and solving these critical problems and it is life-changing. I mean, gosh, the guy could coach his son's team. He can. Go to the gym. I mean, I think this is a, it's a terrific story. And like you said, life changing. So that's great. Um, okay. So we've talked about your career a little bit. We talked about how you started the practice. And so this experience that you had, about what year was it when this first scleral lens experience that you had?
1: Yes. We were about 2016.
0: Okay. So, mm-hmm. And you worked, and, and in this particular case, you worked from like a a lens set that the lab provided for you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So using some diagnostic lenses and lots of fluorescein and doing things by hand. Okay. But still the important thing is you got a good result. One of
0: the things that you talked about as you became interested in the whole specialty lens area and scleral lenses specifically you talked to me about
1: um, getting the help of a mentor. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, for me, Michael Cosmos was just such a blessing for me. Met him through one of the surgical groups we refer to. So, through cataract surgery, and you know that group well that way. And so, he was um, from Chicago, and then his wife was transferred through the CDC here to Atlanta. And so, It was 2017. And he was just, yeah, so generous for me. So he would come out to the practice and help me fit patients and let me go and shadow him and call and text with questions. And so, um, yeah, he was wonderful as far as just coaching me up. That's terrific. Yeah, he's got a great reputation. We'll have
0: to talk to him for this podcast sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) That's great. So you had something of a mentor, somebody that you could talk to and that you could go back to. And what did? Um, how did technology affect what you did?
1: Yeah, and I would say it was about that time frame where I was seeing more specialty patients and you know, really uh, learning more about the demand and need you know, that's out there. And um, so that's when Michael said, "Hey, you know, Tom Schoen is working with this new company that." I think they're really onto something. And so, you know, I talked with um, Tom and and I agreed, And then that's when we pursued the Eagleette. Been so helpful. You know, and I think too, just, you know, having done it for just a little while by hand and then being able to use that tool um, just so efficient and got to our final lens, you know, so much more quickly that uh, just, yeah, really, really love all the information that that gives us now.
0: Okay. And we'll come back to that in a few minutes because I, I would like to, for the audience's sake, I'd like to explore your workflow a little bit uh, in a few minutes so they can understand how you do it. And one thing I've learned is practices do it sort of differently, and, and we'll get to that. But I want to go back to, so in 2016, you had this first case. It was very rewarding. And then you, you, know, you got the help of Michael Cosmos, and you started to really dig into this. Do you feel like you went through a, a continuum of difficulty? Like, did you start primarily with simple cases and then move your way up? Or were you suddenly like trial by fire? You had some crazy cases. How did you tend to work your way into the scleral lens um, business and marketplace?
1: Yeah, and I say for me, um, it's kind of just. This- I was dictated by the patients in front of me, you know, my chair, since Mm -hmm. I kind of made that decision that, oh, rather than refer them out, I'm going to, you know, try it myself here. Had kind of a range, but I would say keratoconus in high refractive air were probably the most common, you know, there in the beginning, which, which you know, are two good categories to start with, really. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's
0: what I see a lot of Uh, doctors that are entering the marketplace uh, of scleral, especially lenses, scleral lenses, uh, they're, they already, and that's, that's a patient group that they may already have access to in their practice, and they were referring those out. But then as time goes on, you know, you get a reputation, some word of mouth starts to occur, and maybe you're influencing word of mouth. Tell me a little bit about how you Promoted your practice and made made sure other people knew what you were doing and what you could do.
1: Yeah, yeah. yes, I started sending out um, letters, so kind of little updates on what we're doing and sharing some of the success. So just would mail those to colleagues in the area. Um, But I would say the biggest thing was just through relationships that I already had with some corneal specialists and with some other people who are fitting. Specialty lenses, and you now just uh, word of mouth is you know king that way. Just those relationships are really where most referrals come from. So when you talk
0: about those relationships, I'm I'm going to make the assumption that some of those go back to the practice in general because you are already were you already co managing some patients with you know, cataract surgeons and LASIK surgeons and such.
1: Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. So yeah, really enjoyed those relationships too. So they were at a point where, you know, if I had a question about a post-op patient, you know, I'd call or text. And so, you know, we, we had a real working relationship already.
0: Okay. And so, you know, you're co-managing a cataract patient or whatever. They may not know that you do these lenses. So what did you do? Just say, I want to bring you up to Oh, by the way, I mean, how did you how did you bring this up in a conversation? So that's exactly what I did. Yeah, just okay. hey,
1: I've been doing this cool new thing, and I'm really excited about it, and um, just kind of came up in a genuine way. But but I did initiate that conversation and say, hey, I want to share something I'm excited about.
0: Okay. Now, did you ever, you know, have somebody from the practice, like a like a cataract practice or whatever, come to your practice to? To see the technology and see the things that you do, or is it primarily you informing them? And then now that they know and they're they're screening somebody for a cataract, they go, oops, this patient's got keratoconus. I'm gonna
1: send them to Stephen. How did it work? Yeah, and I think it's probably as I think about it, in large part just with how busy those groups usually stay. So yeah, it's more conversations, and then I think often they would see patients back. You know, in their practice later and so then they hear from patients the patient's experience and so I think that was really that, um, that that feedback loop that way where they'd hear directly from the patient how it went
0: sure sure and obviously if you're helping them with a patient they referred to
1: you you're sending information back to them about that patient correct that's a great point too so I try to always send a letter like when we hit that final lens we hit the finish line to send a letter back to the referring doctor and uh, so try to celebrate that success with them.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Okay. And then, so those would be the LASIK and cataract surgeons. And and I think that's a great place for a lot of practices to start because a lot of people are co-managing patients and these doctors, they don't know all the things you do. They, they, all they know is that, gee, I got a cataract patient from you and I'm sending that patient back. So I think people, the audience, people in the audience need to understand that they need to toot their horn, you know, about what they can do, whether it's specially lenses or if it's something completely different, um, they need to make sure that these doctors are up to date, that the ophthalmologists that refer to them and or other colleagues, you know, refer to them. But going the next step, like into the cornea doctors, what do you think happens there? How does that happen? Like how
1: the patients get to them and then back to us, or yeah,
0: how how do the referrals to you begin from the corneal doctors?
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So pretty common in our area that uh, if someone's diagnosed with keratoconus, then they are referred to the cornea specialist, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know, often the cornea specialist will say, okay, well, you know, here's options with cross linking, or maybe you're a candidate for Intacs, um, or let's see what we can do with conic lenses first. And so then that's where they would refer back to me then. But how do those cornea surgeons know about you? Oh yeah. So some of the same uh, ideas, the uh, cataract. So a lot of, in our area, a lot of the really good plastic surgeons are also really good uh, cataract surgeons, but I think a lot of the corneal surgeons we work with, or cataract surgeons we work with are cornea specialists. Okay.
0: There. Okay. So there's there's that little crossover there. That yeah, makes a lot. So of that okay. That makes a lot of sense. What else do you do in your practice to help drive this specialty lens business? Now that you're really committed to it, do you do anything else on a like with the website, with external or internal marketing, um, whatever?
1: Yeah. So we do, and I probably most of us feel like our websites can always be better. But uh, so we do try to promote um, through the website then. And we do some internal marketing. Um, we could probably do more there, but certainly uh, makes a lot of sense to let our current patient base know all the things that we do. You know, for uh, people in their uh, sphere of influence that might benefit from these lenses, that they know we do that too. So, I think we're always looking for ways to do that better. But yeah, you know, we we do try to get the word out among our existing patients too that this is a service we provide. Do you do that through like? Um email campaigns
0: or like a, a like a newsletter that's put in the mail how do you do that
1: yeah so for us it'd be um email and then we do have like uh, screens in the office that rotate through little slides yeah so we kind of sure have that on that video board
0: too okay okay all right excellent so like in the in the lobby area the waiting area there's a like a big uh, lcd tv or whatever that's You know, promoting this, what you do in the practice, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Very good. We talked a little bit about word of mouth. We've talked about making sure that you, the doctors that are referring to you, know what you do, um, so that they can. You know, you need to stay top of mind so that they can refer those patients to you. And then, of course, the it's always interesting. The more difficult cases you get, if, if you if you get a satisfactory result, that's going to really impress
1: um, a referring um, doctor. No, no question about it. Exactly, exactly. As I think about it too, this you know, in this modern time where everybody's so connected, many um, like keratoconic patients, and that's probably the main group. But they belong to support groups online, you know, and mm-hmm. so often, you know, through these uh, online networks, they'll find out you know, about other people's experiences and, and word of mouth can spread that way too. So, um, you know, people that may not have crossed paths, you know, 10, 15 years ago, these days have connected online and word gets out that way too. So uh, it does seem like word of mouth, you know, has always been, you know, really the biggest driver, but I think social media and people connecting with sport groups is turbocharged that some these days as well. Do you have a Facebook page? You know, um, we don't. Okay. We, don't. we did for a while, but it wasn't tended to as much as it should be. So um, mm-hmm. really haven't done that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They do need to be um, tended to like a garden <laughs> if they're going to bloom for you. And I, I'm not much of a Facebook person myself, but I do know that some people have had great success Um Using Facebook um, for because people do search Facebook for solutions to health problems and so on. Okay, and then like when you started doing this, you you probably were what like one or two new fits per month back in 2016. But now, what are you doing? How many new fits are you starting on average per month?
1: Yeah, so I'd say for last year, I think we averaged eight last year. But then the last three years, um, or three years, three months, uh, has been um, 12 to 14, you know, for the last several months. So we're optimistic yeah. we've hit maybe a new plateau there.
0: Yeah, and that's very typical of anything in, in business. if you're doing something well, you you have it's a sudden jump up, and then you're on this plateau for a while, and then you have another jump up as long as you keep doing things right. Okay. Let's go back to the workflow in, in the practice. So you have yourself, you have two associates so for yourself and your
1: two associates. How many technicians are supporting you? Right. Let's see. So, well, for scleral lens clinic. So I have one a real go-to technician and okay. obviously that's another real key is, is finding someone who's really passionate about helping and, we can really lean on. so um, I'm fortunate to have uh, such a person. so she's great. So she's licensed optician, uh, NCLE, really knows her stuff and uh, just a, a great positive personality which is really helpful too as you're trying to coach people up with the lens and and encourage them as they get frustrated and so uh, her personality is great that way.
0: Um, and did you did you coach her? To becoming a, a contact lens fitter, did you coach her into this or was, was, did she already have those uh, skills when she came to you?
1: So she had some, but then uh, once we started working together, then she went back to get her NCLE then. Okay. Uh, so I'd say kind of both that I've done, I've done what I can. And then um, that kind of sparked her to try to pursue um, more education on her own as well.
0: Yeah, but you encourage it, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now,
1: with, with her, when
0: you're using the Eaglet eye surface profiler, the ESP as we refer to it, who because you get different stories from different practices about how it is, who holds the patient's lids and who takes the image?
1: Yeah, so for me, what's worked well, so I'll hold the lids. Okay. And technician will uh, capture the images. And, uh, and I, I like, you know, being in the room and it kind of becomes like a, a first consult, you know, for a lot of these patients too. And so we'll take, uh, usually four or five images per eye, and then she'll run analysis on each of those, you know, looking for consistency making sure we have the really good data. And at that time, then typically, you know, I'll, uh, I'll have reviewed their case before I went in, but I'll just ask, so, you know. Tell me about your eyes and um, just let them, you know, talk to them. It's a good time just to get to know the patient better, create some goals for treatment. And we'll do that as while our technicians uh, running all the analysis.
0: Okay. okay. So you sit there with the instrument and with the technician and the patient, you're going through that in the same room, or do you go into a different lane and pull up the information on a different
1: computer? Yeah, the way we're set up, um, we have the computer to sprite by the instrument. And so really the three of us are in that same room. Yeah, kind of all having the conversation
0: there. Okay, got it. Okay, very, very good. Yeah, because sometimes you hear that the doctors hold the lids, and other times you hear that the technicians hold the lids. And it goes back to what somebody's just sort of natural at and what they're good at, you know, and people find their role. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So with 10 to 12 or 14 new fits per month, like on a weekly basis, how much of your practice time is spent with new fits, refits, seeing old patients, how much time is in specialty lenses?
1: Yeah. So it's been a good rhythm for me. So my typical week is I'll spend half a day in routine care and then half a day with specialty lenses. Okay. And uh, a typical day is, is, have kind of a mix too of you know a, a brand new fit brand new patient we'll have a little longer time block for that and then maybe a couple follow-ups and then a patient that we're gonna uh, have a full exam but we've seen them before so you know a bit of a refit you know too, maybe a little less time for that than the new patient so it's um these days is a yeah a pretty good mix in a typical afternoon And how many visits uh, on average does it take for
0: you to get to that final fit uh, with a patient?
1: Yeah, so back to um, just how much we love the uh, then and ESP. I think for all of last year, for a brand new patient, we averaged two lenses per eye. And then if it was a refit, we were at 1.3 lenses per eye. Okay, excellent. very, Very efficient. Yeah,
0: actually very, very good. So that meant when, and when you say two lenses, would that be, uh, that would be captured in two appointments
1: or? Yes. Yeah, so I guess if you count, you know, the original appointment, you know, so I guess probably three. yeah, you know, okay.
0: okay. So two appointments, getting it right. The third, the third appointment is confirming that everything's great and you're, and then the patient's on their way.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, super. Um, what else should we be talking about? It looks to me like we've covered the we've covered a lot about the practice, the workflow, what you're doing for marketing, work marketing and to encourage word of mouth. What other advice do you have for people that are just starting their especially
1: lens work? Yeah, let's see. And I would say too um, to kind of piggyback on the uh, process there. So when we use the uh, eagolette to come up with, okay, this looks like it's gonna be the best first lens. We'll grab still a diagnostic lens that most closely matches that and then put that on the eye and then um, do some vision testing. So over red, over refraction, uh, use the um, the auto refraction uh, too. Uh, And then you'll try to really dial in the vision piece you know, as accurate as we can, because when, you know, for that first custom lens, you know, the closer we are, you know, the bigger, oh, wow, we get. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not only is it just good for efficiencies, but if we're thinking about you know, how excited patients are, you know, their very first custom lens, they put it in and, you know, they're in that 2025 range, 2020 range, you know, it really is a celebration, even that first day. And so, uh, this, it makes it easier for them to tackle the whole uh, insertion removal process and all the learning curve they have to go through. Where, you know, if if we don't take that diagnostic step and it's empirically fit that first one, and then, ah, you know, they really need a plus one, you know, with that first visit, ah, you know, they can tell that there's some promise here, but it can land a little flat. So, yeah, it, I do think for practice building, The closer we are for that first lens, the better.
0: And how have you found working with um, your lab consultants? Um, You know, they also have the same software, they're looking at the same images. How have you found working with lab consultants?
1: I I love lab consultants. So uh, I'm one that um, I like to call in all the orders myself and talk with the consultants, and here's what I'm seeing, here's what I'm thinking. And um, with that collaboration, more often than not, you know, all learn something. I know these days you can you know, fax and email and order online, but um, I, I like that collaboration with the consultants.
0: Well, you don't have to say their name, but I'm sure you know your favorite consultants by name. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> do they get a Christmas card too?
1: Or <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we, we were. Uh, uh, it was fun. I got to see uh, really uh, everybody in person at the global. Uh, Especially the lens symposium this last year, so they were all there. So it was fun to see them in person and, and move that relationship on even a little bit more. That was
0: it was fun. Absolutely. And and talking about that, you know, it's going back to what can a newer person um, do? You had mentioned before the importance of going to meetings like this. So what do you try to do on an annual basis to educate yourself to sort of stay on top of you know trends with lens design? Patient treatment technology. What do you do?
1: Yeah, and I think that that's great advice right there. Is you know go into some of these conferences that are the specialty conferences because um, just you learn so much, and just the uh, connections you make, and this even the the little comments and conversations that you know, one spurs the other, and, and come away with some some real good takeaways. So I think one theme through here right is how how word of mouth is just. Such a powerful thing, and just being face to face with colleagues uh, and just how helpful that is uh, as well. So, is this your first GSLS, or had you been to it before? Well, and, and um, it won't be my last, but it was my first. I'm so glad okay. that I went.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you got enough, you got a lot out of it, and you think you'd like to go back? Yes. Any other any other meeting you've been to? Any other specialty lens meeting?
1: No, that was my first. Okay. Wow. For your first since 2016. Oh my <laughs> yep. gosh. Okay, I've missing great. the boat. So that'd be, yeah, <laughs> that'd be the advice, you know, to like go back and give myself advice that that would be a big part of it. Right.
0: And I think another thing that I talked about sort of goes back to the little comment conversation we had a minute ago about uh, lab consultants, but for new people that are a little bit worried about the kind of results they're going to get or, you know, coming up with the right fit for patient, you have, I think they have to really understand how valuable these consultants are. They can really help you out. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Go to conferences, take advantage of your lab consultants, take advantage of technology to help you. Um, Any other final comments before
1: we wrap this thing up? This has been great. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, good. I agree. I agree. Uh, Yeah, maybe on that technology side, it might be a little thing, but um... Patients can text our main office number and then um, our front desk staff will route that to our, our specialty teams, uh, team, but no matter, you know, how little the question is or, you know, whatever it is, we can respond you know, real quickly that way I think patients really like that connection, especially you know, we all know our experience in, in healthcare in general out in the world. And that's not often how that goes. And so I think they really appreciate that as well, that, any little concern when they get home or something comes up and you know, they can text, get an answer right back. Yeah. Those little things too help people be excited about their lens experience and help get the best result that way too. Okay.
0: Very, that's a good advice. And I, you know, I get texts from my providers um, and I, I do appreciate that. It's nice to be able to communicate. Well, very good, Uh, Stephen. Thank you very much uh, for the time that you've given us today and the the experience that you've had and that you've shared with us. And I think it'll be valuable to the listeners.
1: Well, great, great. And I want to thank all the good people at uh, Eaglet, too, because what an instrument is just doing so much good for so many people. And just the efficiencies from it, you really can't understate how important that's been for us. So grateful for all the good people that have made that happen.
0: Well, you're quite welcome.
1: Basic question.
0: Do you toot your own horn? When the coordinator or doctor from the cataract practice calls to follow up on a patient you are co-managing, do you tell them about the specialty lens work you are doing? Do you tell them you are successfully treating keratoconus patients with scleral lenses? Are you having a conversation with a fellow local optometrist? Are you telling them that you are treating some severe dry eye patients with scleral lenses. In either case, if you are not sharing your success, write up a short script describing what you are doing. Then practice saying it a few times so that you can articulate it naturally. Now you are ready for that next call and tooting your own horn. You deserve it. Thanks for spending time with me and Dr. Keith today. Until next time...